And Lord, the times that we live in require us to be faithful and watchful because there is much to look out for and much to be concerned about. But Lord, as we do so, may we remain faithful to you and your word and your teaching. Lord, bless us in this time right now. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Jude, the author of the biblical letter of the same name, and our subject for today's message, woke up one day deciding that he would write a brief letter to his friends about the subject of salvation. It was all about encouraging them during what was arguably a very difficult time for them and for others in the faith. At this time, Jude, who was also known in his family by the name of Judas, was about 61 years old. The Christian church that we know of today was only around for about 30 years since the time of Pentecost. And it was struggling mightily as heresies and persecution of its members was common. Jude, who was a believer, knew all about Jesus and all that he had accomplished. He was raised in the same family as Jesus, along with his brother James. They were both half-brothers of Jesus. It had been about 33 years since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it was only four years prior that his brother James was stoned to death. Even with his experience of loss, he was convinced with everything going on at that time to write a letter and share his thoughts as a fellow servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Jude, the book of Jude. And it is a very brief book, uh, Jude chapter 1, and because there's only one chapter... And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Jude 1, verses 1 and 2. And for those of you who are not as familiar, the book of Jude is right behind the book of Revelation. If you turn too fast, you'll miss it. (laughs) But it's right there. Jude 1, verses 1 and 2. Amen. (laughs) So we're going to do a brief survey of the book of Jude today. Uh, It won't take long. But boy, does he have a lot to say. And he has a lot to say for today. The title of today's message is Jude's Message for Today. Jude's Message for Today. Let's start with verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Now, notice something very important here within Jude's greeting. He refers to himself as a slave or a servant if you're looking at the King James Version even though Jesus is his half-brother. 
earlier in his life, he treated Jesus like he was a lesser half-brother, for sure, and perhaps with some animosity. Even James, who would later be the renowned leader of the Jerusalem church, as you would find in Galatians 1.19 and chapter 2, verse 9, he did not originally believe in Jesus. Now, how do we know this? Let's take a look at a couple of passages that will uh, speak to this. Go to Mark chapter 3. Look at Mark 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And what we have to look at here, in families, sometimes there's a dynamic. The dynamic that you'll find in many families, especially when you have someone who is a believer, speaking in present terms, that sometimes the hardest person for you to convert are members of your own family. Amen? And families are just like that. You spend a lot of time with each other, you eat together, you do things together. And this was also true in the family that Jesus was in. But look at Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Uh, Verse 20, this is from the English Standard Version. Then he, Jesus, went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went outside to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Now they're talking about Jesus. That's his own family. Because they don't know what to make of this popularity that Jesus has brought right in front of them. Another example, go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 5. John 7, verses 2 through 5. And this was right before Jesus was going to go to the festival. And... Verse 2, John chapter 7, verse 2. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers and sisters said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now look at verse 5. For not even his brothers believed in him. So they were just making a comment to say, hey, you know what, go and do what you got to do. Go out. People need to know who you are. Go see what's going on. But that didn't mean that they believed in him because they didn't. You know, sometimes you'll get familial advice, but sometimes it's advice just to kind of blow you off and move you on to something else. So we need to establish the fact that Jude and James did not initially believe in Jesus. So there was a rocky pass between Jesus and his brothers and sisters. Now we can conclude, though, fast-forwarding a little bit, that both James and Jude were indeed prepared to carry on the ministry of the gospel just as Jesus had commissioned his disciples to do. It's very likely that both brothers heard his message at the last day of the feast in Jerusalem before Jesus was crucified. So drop down in John chapter 7 to verse 37. 
John chapter 7, verse 37. We're going to look at verses 37 and 38. Jesus was preaching the entire time when he was in ministry. Amen? Amen? Jesus was preaching. He was speaking truth the entire time. So the words that he spoke had to have made an impression on everyone, including his brothers. Verse 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This is where I want to point out the importance of every disciple of Jesus to follow his command and proclaim the good news of salvation and to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The gospel, the gospel, the good news must be preached and carried forth to the ends of the earth. Amen? Where do we get that from? Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. And let's look at this for what it truly is. It's a command. It's a command that Jesus gives to us. And in the past, we may have thought, well, you know what? We, we need to just show up in the room and be present. And, and sometimes... We, just by being there, people know about Jesus. Well, that's not correct. You need to speak up about Jesus when the time comes and talk about Jesus and talk about his goodness. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm sorry, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's cool to be in a room and be a believer, but people need to know that you're a believer. People need to know that you have words that stand behind your actions, why you live the way you do for Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Matthew 28, New Living Translation, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he is speaking with all authority. God gave him that authority. And here's what comes after that. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Your life mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with spoken words. Spoken words. And how we go about that, well, that's something for you to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ about. Because as long as you have breath, you have a voice. And you have a voice that proclaims truth. Now James and Jude heard the words from Jesus and both realized who Jesus truly was because guess what? The Spirit revealed it to them. 
How do you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? The Spirit has to reveal who He is to you. That's universal. That's true for all of us. Every one of us had to have the Holy Spirit say, He's the one you need to believe in. He's the one you need to trust in. He's the one you need to rely upon. And that's how it happens. And why is it that we're having conversations too? We, we, I know why we're having them, but we have conversations where there are people who go to church all their lives but don't have a true relationship with Jesus. Because it's one thing to say, yes, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, Satan knows him too. It's one thing to say, yeah, I, I, I know Jesus. I know about him being a Lord. Yes, I understand that too. But is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? And the prayer is always going to be, because it's in my heart to do it, for people who are in this church, around this church, people who have families that are not coming here, that every person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot at stake. You know what's going to be a really interesting time in the future? Because all of us are going to die, and we're all going to be somewhere, right? But prayerfully, we'll be with the Lord. Amen? The surprising thing are going to be those folks we used to expect to see in heaven, you don't see them. Or those folks that you see in heaven, how in the world did so-and-so get here? And you will be tripping when you see that. But you'll be rejoicing at the same time. Because that's exactly what you want to see. But I digress. <laughs> So James and Jude heard the words from Jesus and, and realized who it was. They were obedient to the Father and carried forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now the tone of Jude's message would change. The Holy Spirit moved him to write down an even more important warning to his readers about the false teachers that were integrating within the church. He had received word from the brethren and perhaps even those from James's church, of the rampant nature of false teaching and how it was deceiving many people. Jude told his friends that it was time to get more and more involved in defending their faith and standing up to the false teachers who slid into their church congregations, slid into their church congregations. That word is deliberate preaching that living in the world in whatever manner you desired was perfectly fine and permissible. That's what they were preaching in the church. So let's go back to Jude and look at verses 3 and 4. Jude, verses 3 and 4. And even Jude conveys he was going to write about something different. But the Spirit told him to write this. Verse 3, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. 
But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people, look at this, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. They are preaching because God has grace and he forgives you. You can act any way you want to and live any way you feel like. Boy, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the world we know today. Who have taken Christianity and morphed it into this thing that helps a person to say, I can live whatever way I want to. Love is love. I'll do whatever I want to do. But I know I call myself a Christian because I know God's going to say this is perfectly okay because God says God is love. You see where I'm going with this? That's the world we live in today. Jude's words get right to the point. He reminds his friends of the consequences. You know, consequences are a very interesting thing. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. You can live whatever way you want to, but you better be sure you understand there's a consequence for it. And Satan wants to kind of hide those consequences. They're really not at the forefront. You ain't got to worry about that stuff. You just go ahead and do what you want. But then those consequences are going to smack you right in the face at some point in the future. There are consequences waiting for those who choose to deny Jesus. And what Jude does is give a brief history to this. Go to verse 5, Jude 5, Jude 1, verse 5. And we're going to read through to verse 7. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, remember those words, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Verse 6, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. That's a consequence. Verse 7, And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah. How could we forget Sodom and Gomorrah? And their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Jude is not holding back one thing here. The Spirit is telling him exactly what needs to be said. Now, why did Jude feel that he needed to remind his friends about something that they already knew? They already knew about God's judgment. Why did he have to compel this information? Well, the Spirit prompted him to, for one. 
and the spirit deals completely in truth. And he was to speak to his friends who were perhaps wavering in their faith. Remember what time we're living in. The church is jacked up. There's a lot of different things being taught in the church that are not the things that Jesus wanted to be taught. Perhaps they were wavering in their faith. Perhaps they were flat out involved in sin. And it was a dangerous situation to be in. Especially if you're living in sin. It's a dangerous place to be. Jude was speaking God's truth and that those who needed to hear it were aware that they knew what could happen to them if they did not repent and turn from their sin and frankly acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Remember, there are people all over that straddle the fence all the time. I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. I want to live for I want to live in such a way where I am not dishonoring God, but are you Lord is he your Lord and Savior? Straddling the fence, not making that commitment. Mankind on its own accord needs constant reminders. Amen. We need constant reminders from God's word, not only of the good things that come from God, but also of the dire consequences of living repeatedly in sin and rejecting Jesus. Because we know that we live in sin. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans 3.23 So we already know that all of us sin, both believers and non-believers. But the key, the coup de grace here is rejecting Jesus. Rejecting Jesus as Lord. Turn to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. And we're going to look at verses 20 through 23. Romans 6, verse 20. This is from the English Standard Version. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the thing, it's free. How many of you reject things that are free? But yet people reject Jesus and keep rejecting Jesus. Pray for those people that the Spirit makes a breakthrough. 
Jude then continues by revealing an interesting point that is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. But rest assured that those who oppose God and challenge his authority will go the way of Cain and the others referenced in this passage to come to their destruction. Go back to Jude. Let's pick up at verse 8. Jude, verse 8. Jude verse 8, in the same way these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother, Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. You'll notice that judgment for Cain, Balaam, and Korah came at different points. One was swift and severe. Cain came over time. Same thing for Balaam, but Balaam was killed in a battle because he had also rejected God. Jude is reminding everyone that God's judgment will come one day for each one of us. Each one of us. It is an all-encompassing and it is all-encompassing and will escape no one. It came for Balaam and for Korah because they rejected God. Jude's message is for those who unless they make the decision to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, are destined to experience total separation from God. Total separation. You reject God, he's going to give you what you want. Total separation. He is giving this generation that very same message. This generation. This people. And God loves his people. The question is not, how can God condemn people to hell? That's not the question. He loves his people. He does not wish to do that. The question or comment is more that, well, you send yourself to hell because you reject your one and only creator and savior. Go to Romans 10, verse 21. I want to emphasize the love aspect of what God does. We, he has loved us from the very beginning. For our purposes, we have to say the very beginning because we were created. Amen? But his love is eternal. He has always loved us. And that's what we have to recognize. Romans 10, verse 21. Romans 10, 21. But he of Israel, 
But of Israel, he, being Isaiah, that's Isaiah speaking, says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. He loves those people. But boy, are those people disobedient. Boy, are those people divided. Boy, are those people just screwed up. And that's being pulled from Isaiah 65 too, by the way. Now, Jude is going to vividly provide word pictures to add to a very definitive statement to stay away from evil people. One thing that I learned early on in life, too, if somebody ain't doing right, you don't want a fellowship with them. Amen? You can say hi to them. You can check them out. You know, all this, everything cool, all right, fine, great. But don't hang out with them. And I don't care how holier than thou they think they are. Same thing. If they ain't doing right, you don't hang out with them. Go back to Jude, verse 12. And what Jude has to say is not complimentary. (laughs) So here it comes. Verse 12. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, look out. They are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who only care for themselves. Care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to the blackest darkness. I wonder if Jude did some writing on his own. He's like a creative. He's giving you word pictures of how awful it is to be associated with people who do evil in ways that you can't mistake. A tree that bears no fruit, you already know you've got a problem there. Amen. Judah's making it clear that there are people that we may associate with who are living a lie. Living a lie and ready to disrupt your walk with Jesus. You know, it's bad enough they're living a lie on their own. It's much worse when they're coming to mess with you. They work for the one who readily makes accusations and slanders those who follow Jesus. 2 Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. And like I said, it's one thing where if a a person wants to go out on their own and live whatever way they want to, that is on them. But it's really, really difficult to fathom individuals or people that deliberately want to hurt you and affect your walk with Jesus. But they exist. 
It's in Scripture. Satan's very busy. Verse 13, 2 Corinthians 11. This is the NIV version. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Unbelievable. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. His servants, Satan's servants, their end will be what their actions deserve. We have people out there that are masquerading, but they're servants of Satan. Then Jude shares another point as that of Michael's confrontation with Satan over Moses' body that is also never mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. And it's about Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, Enoch, who is Adam's great, great, great grandson, four greats, <laughs> and the father of the longest living man of all time, Methuselah, that's in Genesis 5, verses 22 through 24, he walked such a faithful life that he didn't even experience death. Enoch was very special. Jude shared the words of prophecy from Enoch that those who oppose God will face judgment and live in torment. The Spirit gave him all this information. And this thing about living in torment, that's the destination for all those who live in ungodliness. Drop down, go back to Jude, drop to verse 14. We're going to go through to verse 19. Back to Jude, verse 14. Fascinating study, if you really look at this. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. What end times is he talking about? Still to come. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers who purpose in life to, to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Enoch told the truth. Enoch spoke about a time that has yet to come. It's a prophecy. And the things that we see here in this passage, we see people living like this today. Do you think Enoch's words matter today? Do you think or believe the words of the apostles of Christ? Do you think that Jude's message is on point in this day and time? 
Jude wanted to talk about salvation. But the Spirit directed Jude to drive home the point that people who purposely live outside of the will of God will experience eternal separation from him. He says it in a number of different ways here. It seems that he is speaking to friends that already know better. Already know better. Remember this, everyone. Those with hardened hearts don't really care about God's loving gift of eternal life. They don't care. They care more about prideful living and regularly satisfying their own desires. They're caught in a trap and they don't even know it. So now that Jude has made his points, it's time for a message of building up. The friends are to build one another up and stay true to God and his word. Go back to Jude and look, look at, let's look at verse 20. Jude, verse 20. Jude, verse 20. And these words are going to apply to us too. Look at this. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Amen. Verse 22, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. You see what it says? Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. How do you do that? You've got to be praying for these people. Speaking to them, speaking truth to them, praying to these people, for these people. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. And that is our world today, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we are. Now, building up each other in faith begins with one person. It starts with you. It starts with you. When you're waiting for someone else to pump you up and make you feel better, who's going to make me feel better? Consider that the Lord Jesus Christ may be waiting for you to take the initiative. Amen? The other believers need to hear words of encouragement coming from you. Coming from you. Please remember that God's judgment is closer and closer every day. Amen? Every day that goes by, we're one day closer. While a person needs to trust in Jesus, do everything you can to convey God's love for each and every person you know. Because not everyone you know has a relationship with Jesus saying something very obvious but sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that something you already know I'm reminding you look at what else is necessary in the building up process prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit 
prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our first moments of our relationship with Jesus began with prayer. We had to pray to ask Jesus to do what? Come into my life. Judah's making no assumptions as to who has a relationship with Jesus, and nor should we. He's talking to his friends, but he's got all kinds of friends he's talking to. Eternal life is what is at stake here. Eternal life with Jesus. Jesus loved us before we knew what love was. Salvation from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the prize for every believer. That's what the prize is, everyone. Eternal life with Jesus is the prize. And there ain't no better prize. Amen? Building up also includes keeping those who you know in prayer to keep them from stumbling. Because your friends sometimes need to be prayed over. You sometimes need to be ready to anoint their head with oil. Now, you can't be responsible for what someone else does, but that doesn't eliminate your responsibility to pray for them. You can't be responsible for what other people do, but there's nothing stopping you from praying for that person. More and more believers have to live a life that hates sinfulness, and promotes godliness. Hate sinfulness. Promote godliness. That's how we need to live. You're an active member in the body of Christ. That should be how you live. That is how we are to live. Jude concludes with a final prayer that praises God the Father and glorifies his half-brother Jesus as Lord and Savior. Drop down to verse 24 in Jude. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. You're blameless before the Lord Jesus Christ because you believe in him as Lord and Savior. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Well, that's eternity. Amen. Jude knows his possession as a messenger of Jesus. He responded to the words of the Spirit and shared an eternal message of God's truth to a corrupt world that will one day be made incorruptible by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has full authority over heaven and earth to do so. And he will do it. Judgment is near for those who don't believe in Jesus as Lord. Let Jude's words sink in. Father, you teach us truth through Jude's message to us. You teach us what we need to know at this day and time of our lives. You remind us of things that we should already know about, but Lord, we need reminders. We need promptings to truly grow in our faith as we move about and not doubt that you can save anyone and everyone we pray for. 
Because, Lord, with all things, they're possible with you. You have shown us this in your word. And you've shown us this in our lives, the testimonies that we have because we believe in you and trust in you. You are without limits. There's nothing that can stop you from doing and accomplishing your will. And Lord, we know it's your desire to reach as many people for Jesus as possible. Lord, we know about the consequences of failing to trust in you. And may we continue to pray for those people who do not know you. And Lord, maybe even we need to pray with ourselves about that. If there's anyone in this room who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives, may it be so that you will make that decision for Jesus now. May it be so that you will trust in Jesus as Lord. And may it be so not because of the consequence of eternal separation, but because the heart recognizes that without Jesus, where would you be? And Lord, may we always understand that you're in the business of getting people saved. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you continue to do. And Lord, for everyone within the sound of my voice, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, make a decision for him today. Make the prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to give my life to you. I want to be able to live in such a manner where I'm listening to you and following your advice and recognizing you as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to everyone individually right now that doesn't know you and responding. We give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.